Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Please join me for our first scripture reading that comes from Exodus 21 through 11. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But in the seventh day, it is a Sabbath to your Lord, your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Hi there, guys. Uh, My name is Ella Cole Alderman. Um, I'm a member at Northminster Presbyterian Church in Macon, Georgia. I just graduated high school, and I will be attending Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina in the fall. Go Terriers. Um, I am incredibly high-strung. I'm a sucker for routines. I thrive when I have structure. In other words, I struggle with Sabbath. To be completely honest, a lot of the time, church is another part of my week. I work Monday through Friday. Saturdays are for being with friends. Sunday is for church and post-church lunch. Often, when we think of Sabbath, we think of Sunday, or in the Jewish tradition, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. While this isn't wrong, On Wednesday at Montreat, we discussed Sabbath as a broader concept. Sabbath as total rest. 
I took a look back at my non-Montreat life and I realized I had no space for Sabbath, regardless of how much I prayed, worshipped, or ate Chipotle with my youth group. I was not fulfilling God's design for me because I was forcing myself to be constantly on. Montreat is special because Montreat is a home of Sabbath. For a week, we're thrust into an environment where God, love, and joy come above all else. And it puts into perspective just how crucial and lacking these are in our normal lives. Whenever another year of conference is through, it's likely that someone will say, I just wish I could bring the feeling of Montreat home with me. I feel you, trust me. But it's probably impossible to fully recreate the magic of Montreat because it's what my mom calls a thin place, a place where the barrier between heaven and earth is a little bit thinner than the rest of the world. And even though it can't be fully replicated, the closest we can get to a slice of Montreat in our everyday lives is allowing ourselves Sabbath. At Montreat, I learned that Sabbath is crucial to finding and holding on to joy. For me, this Sabbath came in the way of cheer wines shared with new and old friends and late night talks with my back home group, our presbytery. And we may not all have access to cheer wines or deep nighttime conversations with 20 teenagers, but we can all find our Sabbath in the regular world. My Sabbath is belting to myself in the car on long drives around Macon. I can be alone with my thoughts and express whatever strong emotions I had felt that day. I encourage all of you to search for your Sabbath, whether that be some traditional kind of prayer or worship or coloring, reading, resting, and grab onto it because that is how we can further grasp joy in this fast-paced, ever-changing, crazy world. Our second scripture reading for today comes from John 20, 19-23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As Father has sent me, I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> My name is Ella Smith. I'm from Macon, Georgia, and I go to Northminster Presbyterian Church. I just graduated high school, and I'll be attending University of Georgia in the fall. Good dogs. 
So on the last day, the question for the campers at Montreat was, why does my joy matter? They began by telling us that joy is an act of defiance. And when I first heard this, I thought that, that meant going against something good. However, it means going against adversity and choosing joy. This can put us in uncomfortable situations. When we leave the church, we have to continue to spread God's message. When they connected the lock passage to their message, it resonated with me. I am the type of person to bottle up my emotions and never share how I truly feel. It is so easy to tell yourself to stay closed off and to not bother anyone. However, God does not want that. Jesus does not want that. Your friends, your family, they do not want that. The disciples were locked within a room with no manner of escape. They were uncomfortable, and Jesus appeared and said, Peace be with you. For it is when we are scared that God is giving us peace in order to leave that locked room and share our own message, just as the disciples did. When I arrived at Montreat, I was immediately placed in uncomfortable situations. The main one for me was in small groups. In the small groups, you were put with 10 or so kids from all over, and you do not know a soul. So not only are you asked to meet new people in an hour-long session, but you are also prompted with questions. You are asked to share your feelings and mainly speak about something which is very vulnerable for me, which is God. At first in small groups, I was quiet because I truly felt that anyone else had better thoughts than me, but I came to understand that this is not true. In this exact moment, I came to understand what finding joy and defiance meant. In this instance, defiance is re rebellion or aggression. Defiance is challenging yourself and using what you find within in order to cultivate joy. So I had to challenge myself. Now I do wish I could stand up in front of you and say that I've been ordained as a pastor and am now traveling the world evangelizing, but no, and that's okay. I rather just began to speak in my small group, which is a major act of defiance for me. So I ask you, how can you act in defiance? How can you challenge yourself and cultivate joy? Because your joy matters. Thank you. Our next scripture is James chapter one, verses two through five. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. Good morning, friends. My name is Tripp Richards. I'm a recent high school graduate of Central High School in Phoenix City, Alabama, and a proud member of this beautiful church, First Presbyterian Church in downtown Columbus, Georgia. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that joy is a hard thing to come by in those difficult moments in life. I've found many times myself where joy seems so far out of reach, losing in the baseball state title, losing a friend, losing a relative, not getting into the school of my dreams, or not reaching those expectations I set for myself each and every day. And I'm sure I'm not alone in those feelings or those thoughts, but the question is, how do we approach those failures in a way that we can find joy from them? This question stuck with me for a very long time, and up until this year's Montreat Conference, I didn't find any concrete answers. 
At Montreal, we have these things called small groups, and you've probably been a, a part of small groups before, but th- these are a little special. As Ella Smith mentioned before, there are 10, 15 people all brought together in one room. You have a little colored wristband, either orange or blue. You have a number on it. And these places are where we had conversation. No one knows anybody, so you really got to break out of your shell there. We have conversations. We play games, read scripture, listen to songs, and do arts and crafts. Lots of, a lot of fun stuff. Well, on Tuesday, during our morning worship service, which is the keynote, they gave us a question. They gave us a question every day. On Tuesday's question, it was, how can joy survive in hard times? Well, to me, first to understand that question, we have to know what joy is. And most people probably think joy. It's like happiness, right? But I disagree. Happiness is so much less than joy. Joy is much more. Happiness is temporary. It's shallow, sways based on good things or bad things, but joy is forever. Joy is everlasting. It's sticky. It's always there. Joy is faith that God will be by your side through the thick and thin, no matter what happens. Now, earlier I mentioned the conversations that we have in small group, and these are different than your everyday, hi, how are you's. These are Christ-driven conversations where the Holy Spirit really took over and moved and spoke through us. Tuesday's conversation was a big one. It was my favorite of the week when tasked with answering how can joy survive in those hard times. My particular group thought of two words to answer that question, perspective and perseverance. Perspective is the way that God helps us see situations and come up with an idea to see them in the most faithful way. And your perseverance is how knowing that God is with you no matter what happens to you. He is right there every single step of the way. Like the scripture just read, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, it says we should consider it pure joy when we face trials because through faith, our, because through that, our faith, we persevere and grow as people. At the beginning, I mentioned I was not accepted into my dream school, which is the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. When I found out this news, I opened the email, read it, and it was faced with sadness, regret, failure, the feeling of insignificance like I wasn't enough. Instead, in the fall, I'll be attending Bevel State Community College on a baseball scholarship. I felt like I wasn't enough when I heard this news of not getting into my school. After all, I have three older sisters, all of which who graduated major universities in the U.S., two of which going to graduate school, and a lot of friends are going to big colleges all over the United States. My perspective was driven by the worldview. I wasn't enough. I didn't meet the quota that I should, that my family name has put on me. I should go to a big school, four-year school, go get my degree, have a successful job. Baseball's just a game. Well, I was sad. As I mentioned before, it was a tough time for me. When you don't feel like you're enough, it's easy to just think, why is this happening to me? Well, when I went to Montreal, I still had these thoughts in my brain, but when I came home, it was much different. That Tuesday conversation allowed me to rethink my college situation. I now think I'm part of the 1.7% of high school athletes that get to go play at the next level, and I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. I now have a chance to receive free college instead of having to live in student loans and waste my parents' money. So I'm thankful for that. That Tuesday conversation changed my idea from world-driven to God-driven. 
being ever thankful for the opportunities put in front of me. Now I see this failure as an opportunity to achieve the same goal in a different way and carve my own path. It's going to be hard. There's no doubt about that. It will always be tough. But that's where my perseverance and knowing that God is by my side and my faith will strive through. That's how my joy survives. Each and every day I persevere through those hard moments and my joy survives through that. So, like my pre-cal teacher did after every lesson, Mr. James Matthews, and I tell you every lesson, I want to give you some homework. One challenge, I challenge you to go and think of a time where you failed or you came up short. And I want you to rethink that. Knowing what you know now, think of that situation as an opportunity to grow and how you can better yourself and how your joy can survive through that. Thank you. A reading from Romans 12, 9 through 16. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good to friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies with no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other and don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Hello, everyone. My name is Ella Hawkins, and I go to Northminster Presbyterian Church in Macon, Georgia. I've graduated high school, and I'll be attending Shenandoah University this fall. We have very full days during our week at Montreat. Every day, it's pretty much the same routine, and we end every day the same way as well. Every night, all of us from Flint River gather back together for a final reflection on the day. We laugh, we sing, we talk about our day, and we discuss as a group what we have heard during keynote, small group, and evening worship. Aside from meals, this is really the only time set aside in our days to talk over what we've experienced with the people who we came to the conference with, who are often our closest friends when we are in Montreat. And this time at the end of the day is often the time that we share our most personal thoughts with each other. And this is a majority of what makes our trips to Montreat so special. As a whole group, we carefully work to create a space that is safe and welcoming of life stories and experiences. It's often the case that these stories are about the difficult and tragic things that happen in our lives. And those kinds of stories are hard to share with others. But this is the beauty of the Montreat communal experience that is guided by the Holy Spirit in that place, Together, we make it easier to share these stories. As a whole, it's very common for us to share the positive things in life, and it's often easy to connect with others about these things. Oh, you and I like the same movie, or I used to live where you live now. It's simple to connect with people over the good things we experience in life. But Montreat has taught me that it can also be simple to connect over the hard things. Countless times at Montreat, at the end of the day in Reynolds Lodge, our home there, I have witnessed a similar occurrence. Well, as a group, we discuss the themes of the day, 
one person will bravely offer up something personal, and it's often something difficult. And without fail, this leads to someone else speaking up, sharing their difficult story. And one by one, with every story shared, every person in the room is touched by a feeling of commiseration and a realization that every one of us has a burden to bear. These Montreat nights are the perfect example of the fact that, yes, we can relate over the good things, but we should never forget that we relate over the things we'd rather not talk about as well. We should be reminded that we need to talk about the hard things, because when we do, someone else learns that they aren't alone, that they do not struggle and suffer alone, and in fact, we all struggle together. Thursday's theme at Montreat was communal joy, and the fact that joy is not a solo act. I think this idea can be extended to our struggles as well. How can we be truly joyful if we can't struggle together? We need the support of others to be able to overcome and deal with the hardship in our lives, and only then can we be free to be joyful on our own, and most importantly, together. All of this is as Paul tells us in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Now, it's easy to do all this in a naturally safe space like Montreat, but in our normal day-to-day lives, being vulnerable is difficult. But picture this. If we, as Christ's disciples, challenge ourselves to be the vulnerable ones, then maybe we can lead others to feel safe with us to share their hardships, because those moments of sharing are led by the Holy Spirit. So instead of keeping our cards close and locking ourselves up as a form of protection— Let's be the ones to share, to open up, in the hopes that we can lead others to do the same. Amen.